Hello and welcome. My name is Bailey Moore, and this is the Bloody Awesome Podcast, a podcast where we discuss our favorite horror films and series. Before we start the first episode, I wanted to give a quick introduction to the show. In this series, I'd like to discuss not only the many films in the genre, but I'd also like to take a deeper dive into the realm of horror, where we would look at the many amazing directors to bless the screen, as well as the different events going around the world and their influence on the genre, as well as much, much more. So please stick with us if you're into that stuff, because it's going to be a blast. I'm very excited, you know? The reason I wanted to start this is, honestly, I, I've i been in love with horror since I was very little. Like, I was four years old, and my dad took me to see Dawn of the Dead, the remake, in theaters, and I've been in love with it ever since then. It, it was amazing. And, you know, so eventually I'd like to be making my own films and working on my own stuff, but for now, I think this is perfect, and this is what I want to do, so... I'm definitely ready for this. Um, this is definitely going to be more of a campy series. You know, some of the films we look at may be a bit much for some people, so I definitely want to try to keep things a little lighthearted. I will be releasing episodes every Saturday for right now until I get the podcast really going, after which point I'll most likely switch to two episodes a week instead of just one. Right now, I pretty much have the season one schedule laid out, but I'm always open for suggestions. So if you'd like, you can always reach me at the bloody awesome podcast at gmail.com. But now, it's time to start the first series of the podcast, Child's Play. Five innocent people killed, not a sign of a human. Five innocent people killed. do this. My name is Bailey Moore, and this is the Bloody Awesome Podcast. Today, we're looking at Child's Play, a film from 1988, produced by David Kirshner, directed by Tom Holland, and with story by Don Mancini. Now, if you've never seen the film, 
I do want to give a quick review so you can decide now if you want to stop and go watch the film and then come back, or if you just want to keep going. Child's Play is the story of when a young boy is given a new toy for his birthday, but it's not just any toy, it's the extremely popular Good Guys doll. These dolls are awesome, they talk back to you, but this doll seems to really talk back to the boy. And as time goes by, and people start dying around the boy, his mother starts to wonder what's really going on. Yeah, that's, that's it, that's all you're getting. Go watch the movie. Let's get on to the show. Child's Play is a supernatural slasher from 1988. It was made for $9 million and grossed more than $44 million worldwide, which, that was, that's quite a bit in the 80s, especially for a horror movie. It was filmed in Chicago for on-location filming, but it was also filmed in Culver City, California for the in-studio filming. Child's Play gave birth to five sequels and a reboot, and we'll be exploring those in the following weeks. So let's get to the story. The story begins on a cold and rainy night in Chicago, where a police chase ensues between a serial killer by the name of Charles Lee Ray and Detective Michael Norris, who, holy shit, these guys are both horror icons. Charles is played by Brad Dorff, who has been in many films. He's in The Princess Bride, he's in Halloween, the Rob Zombie remake, he's in a, he's in a ton of stuff, but definitely most known for Chucky. He was the only voice actor to play the character up until 2019 when Mark Hamill took over the role. I honestly have a lot of things to say about that reboot, but I think I'm going to wait till we get to that episode because that movie is fucking stressful. 100%. Mike, on the other hand, is played by Chris Sarandon, who plays Jerry in Fright Night, which 100% future episode. Stay tuned. <laughs> so anyway, Charles nears his getaway car, but out of fear, his getaway driver and partner, Eddie, speeds off, leaving Charles stranded, calling his name in a desperate plea for help. Thinking fast, Charles makes his way into a nearby toy shop, where he is cornered by Detective Mike, who proceeds to shoot Charles in the chest, knocking him back into a stack of good guy dolls, bringing some down with him. Charles then makes a promise to the detective to come back for him and to come back for his old partner, Eddie, as well, right before he grabs one of the dolls and begins to chant, Ade, do, Dambala, give me the power I beg of you! <laughs> oh, dude. That, that's so much fun to do, honestly. So, with those words, he transfers his soul into the doll, unbeknownst to the detective. Now, this is a scene that I really enjoy. I really love how deranged Charles looks. You know, I love the whole chase scene. It's, it's honestly such a nice way for them to open the film. Like, you know, there's a lot of horror movies that do use the whole like, showing the villain and how he becomes who he becomes later on in the film. You know, I understand that's, that's a thing that's obviously used in a lot of horror movies, but 
with this one, you know, I feel like during it, you get this feeling for Charles. Like, he's not just, like, he's not just some slasher. He's not just some dude in a hockey mask whose dad drowned and after his mom dies, he comes back or anything like that. This is a dude who literally, like, and, and throughout the series, it puts so much more into his into his like who he is but it's so interesting and i i really like him i I really really like the character and how they did it obviously i don't like him he's a piece of shit but just the character is it, it was a very interesting way for them to do this film um and i'm very happy that they did do this film like this so uh, if you didn't know Charles Lee Ray actually derives from Charles Manson, Lee Harvey Oswald, and James Earl Ray. So, if you don't know who these guys are, Charles Manson was the leader of the Manson Family Cult, who were active in the late 60s and early 70s, and were responsible for the deaths of nine people. And Lee Harvey Oswald was the man who shot JFK in 1963. Whereas James Earl Ray is the man who also is the culprit behind one of the worst assassinations in our country, but not of a president. See, James Earl Ray is the man who killed Dr. Martin Luther King. He shot King in his hotel on April 4th, 1968. So yeah, both, or not both, but all of these guys fucking suck. <laughs> so, some pretty, some pretty interesting people to use for, for the name, I, I, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this took a really dark turn. <laughs> so, the next scene opens in the Brewster Apartments, which are an actual landmark in Chicago. You can go see them. Um, I honestly wouldn't go inside and bother to ten the tenants, but if you want to see the outside of the building, it's still there. And it's here that we meet one of the cutest kids ever. Andy Barclay, who is very excited for his birthday. And what does he want? Well, you guessed it. He wants a good guy doll. And he's kind of obsessed with these dolls, and he's definitely not the only one. In fact, they're so big that they have constant ads running and a cartoon. But Andy's such a fan, he's already seen all the episodes that are playing on TV. What a G, bro. He's crushing all these noobs, man. So, after he decides that he doesn't want to watch the rerun, he decides to go into the kitchen where he's making a very special breakfast for his mom. You know, black toast with a huge glob of butter on it, sugary cereal topped with way more sugar, overflowing with milk, and a nice glass of OJ. It's honestly super cute. And... 
I really like this scene because it kind of reminds me of a time when I was a little kid and I definitely did something like that for my mom and it probably looked just like that and I was probably a bit older than Andy too <laughs> which is funny because I now work in a restaurant and he's cooking this breakfast and he brings it into his mother who is played by Catherine Hicks now he brings this in and his mom is so nice about it. It's such an adorable scene. You know, she picks him up and she thanks him for the breakfast and then she takes him out into the living room to open his birthday presents. But on the TV, a news reporter is talking about Charles's death and Karen, being the good mother she is, quickly changes the channel while Andy opens up a big box expecting a good guy doll, but instead he gets a pair of clothes. Which, you know, every kid's nightmare. I don't know why. That's, like, the perfect present to get me now. So, I don't, I don't know where that thing comes from. But he, he, before he can get too disappointed, his mom pulls out this other box and tells him to check it. Where he gets a good guy tool chest. Which is a pretty cool present, but... You know, it's not a good guy doll, and he is a little sad about that. And his mom is so nice. His mom is so fucking cool. This entire goddamn movie, she decides that she is going to get him a good guy doll no matter what. Which leads her, while on break from her work, she goes with her sister to meet a vagrant selling the dolls in an alleyway in Oh boy, this fucking vagrant man. Oh my god. He's 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 fucked up. But we'll wait a little before we talk about him. So Karen ends up buying the doll for $50 against her sister's wishes. And well Yeah, I don't I don't even like I don't blame her sister cuz the sister was like, the dolls are only 30 bucks, why are you spending 50? And, you know, nowadays, that's that's 20 bucks, that, that's, that's a big difference nowadays. Back then, that's a huge difference. So, I, I get it, I, I'm, I'm kind of on her sister's side right, side right here. Especially because of what happens later on in the movie. <laughs> and so, they get back to work, and her boss is this fucking huge dick... And he makes her work late, even though her she has to pick up her son and it's his birthday. But Maggie comes to the rescue and tells her that she will watch Andy. So later that night, after Karen arrives at home with Andy, she gives Andy the good guy doll. And he couldn't be more excited. He immediately runs to the living room and takes it out of the box. And... When I say, like, immediately, I mean, this doll is out of the box and ready to be played with in, like, three seconds. It's fucking nuts. But, so, his his mother asks him how it works, and we get one of the cutest line deliveries ever when Andy tells the doll, Hi, I'm Andy. What's your name? And with an infamous line, the doll replies, Hi. I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend till the end. 
Heidi Ho, which it's a pretty dope line. I fucking love this movie. <laughs> so the next scene we see Aunt Maggie watching Andy. She's doing the dishes. He's playing with Chucky. They're playing construction. Legit shit. Karen is at work. Which, this kind of confuses me. Because I've watched this a few times in the past few days now. And every time that I see it, I'm still confused. Karen is told by her boss the scene before he gets his good guy doll. She's told that she needs to stay late and work. Yet the next scene, she's she's given him the good guy doll. But right after that, Aunt Maggie is watching him, and I'm really confused because I can't tell if it's the same night or the day after or what the hell is happening. It, it's it's confusing, but honestly, it probably doesn't matter too much. Because we see on the news, another news report comes on about Eddie Caputo, Charles's partner. And this is when we see Chucky move for the first time ever on his own. When he turns his head to watch the report, and then we see his eyes blink like he's responding to it. It's a cool-ass fucking shot. And... Then, Maggie looks over and tells Andy it's time for bed. And we see Andy lean close to Chucky right before he looks back up at Maggie, telling her that Chucky wants to watch the news. And, um, you know, I'm just going to go with, with my hunch here, but I don't really think that Andy made that up. It may just me be there, but, you know... And she obviously doesn't go for it. She turns the TV off and puts them both to bed, telling Andy that he needs to get ready for bed. He goes to brush his teeth, and Aunt Maggie goes back to the dishes. But not long after she goes back, she hears the TV turn back on. And she walks into the living room to find Chucky sitting on the recliner and watching the news report of his old partner. She then scolds Andy before tucking him into bed, which I get it. What the hell, Andy? Why do you do that? <laughs> so a little later on, Maggie is chilling in the living room. She's reading a book. She's sitting back. She's having a good old time watching some black and white movie on the TV. I don't know what movie it was, but then we see Andy's door open, and this is a cool shot. Because at first, it's all done in POV, and we see the figure move down the hallway, and then it peeks over at Aunt Maggie, and she's sitting on the couch, and it looks at her twice, and then we see it run by. But it's not Andy. Oh, it's Chucky. And the look of this doll running is so fucking cool. Like, I, 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 I love it. But Maggie hears this, and she turns over, and she gets a little spooked, and at first thinks it's Andy, but she decides to brush it off until she starts to hear more noises. And she decides to investigate, only to find a chair pushed to the front door that has been unlocked. Which, yeah, fucking creepy. 
And then, you know, while she's kind of freaked out about the door, then all of a sudden she hears a big smash and she turns around and there's a bag of flour just crashed on the ground in the kitchen. How did that get there? Who knows? Maybe the gremlins. Maybe the Chucky. Time will tell. But right after this happens, she gets a phone call from Karen. And she decides that it's just her having the heebie-jeebies. She's alone in the house. You know, it's just her and a six-year-old. Which, six-year-old's not going to protect her. You know. So she decides to just brush everything off. She goes into the kitchen and starts cleaning up the flower mess when she hears something by the window. And now she decides to go over and check it out. She moves the flower pot sitting there and doesn't find anything. So she turns around only to be struck in the forehead with a hammer from Andy's playset, sending her flying out the window. And a very, very cool slow motion shot, and it looks, it, it's honestly one of the most beautiful slow motion shots ever, like, it's just her flying down slow, and she's, like, her arms waving and everything, and the glass is flying with her, it's like rain, it's just, it looks so fucking cool, until she crashes into the top of a truck, and, yeah, she's dead, <laughs> but let's talk about that hammer real fast, because are we giving were we giving kids like little five and six year olds real hammers back in the eighties? Did did we just do that? Like, here kid, have a hammer. Don't break too much shit. Later that night, Karen returns home to find police and ambulances surrounding the scene. So she immediately rushes through them, which they barely even tried to stop her. It was kinda of funny. She just like football rushed them. <laughs> and she gets up to her apartment, which is full of even more officers, and Detective Mike, who informs her of Maggie's death. He then shows her footprints in the flower that was spilled earlier that seemed to be child size, and tells her that he's already checked Andy's shoes and they weren't a match, but they don't know who else it could have been. And then... Andy finds flower on the bottom of Chucky's shoes, so he runs out, so excited to tell the officers who really did it, in another adorable delivery, stumbling through his lines, leaving Detective Mike curious, and Karen, rightfully pissed, sending him to bed. And after that, you know, she's she's upset, and she kicks the cops out, and then a little later, she's getting ready for bed. She's, you know, she's she's upset. She's gone through a lot. She just lost her sister, and she just wants to go to bed. But she hears Andy talking to someone. And when she walks into his room, she finds him on the floor talking to Chucky, who's sitting in the rocking chair in there. And she asks what Chucky says to him, and... Andy tells her that Chucky's real name is Charles Lee Ray and that Maggie was a real bitch and got what she deserved. Which, uh... Yeah, that doesn't go over very well. Karen ends up freaking out and telling Andy that she knows that he's just making up stories. He knows that he can never say anything that horrible again. 
and and Andy, you know, he apologizes, and it's so cute, because he says, okay, mommy, I'm sorry for making up stories, and it's just, it's so cute, man, he's so, he's, that's an adorable-ass kid, man, but, um, you know, and, and so they go to bed, and the next day, Karen drops Andy off at school, and, you know, I found, I found, I found this really funny, because Andy walks up to the school, and of course, Chucky's with him, they're chilling. no other kids have a Chucky doll, or I guess it's just a good boy's doll, since they're all personally named, but no one else has a good boy's doll, and, except for one single kid, there's one kid who has this thing, and I don't know why, but it's just, it makes me laugh so hard whenever I see this, it's just this random ass kid, and then Andy, like, if you're not gonna give all the kids a good guy's doll, then don't just give one of them, because that shit just looks weird. <laughs> so, so, Karen drops Andy off, and as soon as she is out of sight, Andy ditches. And with the guidance of Chucky, they make their way into a more seedy part of the city that, you know, it, it, it kind of reminds me of my hometown, honestly, because it's just... It's just filled with tweakers. And, um, so, Chucky makes his way into a rundown house where Eddie has been hiding out. And Andy, the entire time, is just playing outside, playing hide-and-seek with Chucky. Can't find Chucky. But Chucky, on the other hand, turns on all the gas to the oven and opens the oven door, which alerts Eddie of the intruder, and prompts him to investigate with his loaded revolver. Eddie fires off a couple of shots through the house, which alerts Andy, and he comes running by, and it's kind of a weird scene because Eddie points the gun at Andy like he's going to shoot, and then realizes it's just a kid, and we see this moment of, oh, fuck, on his face, and it's just, it's an interesting scene. But then, right after this, Eddie burst into the kitchen, firing a shot, which, because of the gas-filled kitchen, it sends the house into a fiery explosion, killing Eddie. And, honestly, it's a really cool scene, because, like, it shows the explosion first, and then it shows this house actually falling apart. And the whole look of it is just, it's really cool to me. I really like what they did there, and I think that for an 80s movie, too, the graphics and everything just look really, really cool here. So, after all that, the next scene opens with Karen entering the police scene because Mike gave her a call letting her know that they had picked Andy up. So, the police are questioning Andy about what happened to Aunt Maggie, and Andy's telling the police that it was Chucky, but, you know, of course, no one believes him. Karen tells Andy to tell the truth so they don't take him away. And and this, honestly, this causes one, the saddest moment of the entire movie. Andy is just, he's freaking out. He's yelling at Chucky. He's, why won't you talk? Why are you lying? Why did you do this to me? Like, he, it's so, it's so sad. And, um, Alex, the, the man that plays him and still plays him today is such a good actor and, and and did this role so well and I just 
Oh, that that scene really, really did a lot for me. Um, so, yeah, oh, he doesn't, he, obviously Chucky doesn't say anything here. And there's a psychiatrist who's been watching this all. And he tells Karen that they would like to keep Andy for a few days. Which, fuck, you know, it sucks. But there's nothing Karen can do. So she returns home with the doll and no son. It's, it's a very sad sight. So Karen sits down with Chucky and pleads with him to talk, calling him a little bastard. To which Chucky replies with that he loves hugs, making Karen laugh at the idea that she actually thought a doll could talk. Yeah, understandable. But Karen picks up the good guy doll, like the box that it came in, and she's messing around with it, and she reads it, and she's laughing at the stuff that's on it, and then she she notices that a thing of batteries has fallen out. And it's the batteries that were included. But, you know, she doesn't she doesn't freak out just yet. She walks over to Chucky and she picks him up, and to her shock, there's no batteries in him. Which means, this entire time, he's been moving around and talking all on his own. Which, at this point, he spins his head around, and he says, Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Before dropping to the ground and rolling under the couch. So now, at this point... Karen, obviously shaken, she's like, what the hell is going on right now? Why is this happening? This, you know, And she picks up the doll from under the couch, and it's back to being lifeless. So she threatens to throw him into the fireplace if he doesn't just break it and talk. You know, tell her that he's alive. And, you know, well, <laughs> he, he doesn't take it too well. For the first time ever, we see Chucky snap to life fully. Like, not just, like, his head moving or, like, him running in the background. No. He has a full face of emotion. Like, you can see it on his face exactly how he feels. He he calls Karen a bitch. And <clears throat> he just... He's going off. And... He's, uh, you know, he's saying this fucked up shit. He attacks her, he bites into her arm, and then he escapes from the apartment with Karen chasing after him, and she ends up losing him. Um, he gets out onto the street, and, and you know, at this point, she is completely freaked out. <laughs> after losing Chucky, Karen takes a taxi to see Detective Mike and tells him what happened. But he obviously doesn't believe her, so she decides to find the guy she bought it from. And, like I told you, we're gonna talk about this fucking creep again. So here we go. So, oh god, she finds this guy in the middle of this homeless camp. But in order to figure where the doll came from, the man says he wants something. And when she doesn't have enough cash... Well, he he decides he's going to rape her. And, um, yep. 
the rest of the homeless people just just do nothing. Like, there's not a, a rape going on in front of them. And it's like, there's just a group of them standing around watching this start to happen. And it it's horrible. It, it's it's horrible. It's a really dark moment in the movie. And this is a movie about a serial killer fucking doll that's butchering people. So, luckily, Duck, Detective Mike shows back up, beating up the vagrant, and uh, scaring off the rest of his of of the vagrant's people. Cause yeah, man. So he he beats down the peddler until he tells them where he got the doll. And well, where he got the doll from was the burnt down toy shop. And it's the same one that Charles Lee Ray died in. So Mike. Obviously a little freaked out from this. He drives Karen home. And Karen is saying, well, we got to go do something about this. I need your help. And Mike says, no. And she goes, well, at least tell me where Charles lived. So I can I can go find out for myself what's going on. And he ends up telling her. But then after he lets her out of the car and she goes into her house, he goes back to his office where he gets the case file on Charles Lee Ray and this this scene after he gets back into his car he's driving home and then he gets a it's a surprise like it is the best surprise you know in the form of Chucky choking him with a tape measure everyone's favorite thing and you know this causes Mike to drive a little erratically you know, he's he's able to burn Chucky's face with his car lighter, but Chucky doesn't stop. He starts stabbing a knife through Mike's seat, causing him to, like, dance around the blade. And, dude, it's <laughs> it's kind of a hilarious shot because he's, like, like, completely dancing around this blade and, like, all over the place in his car pretty much, but still on the road somehow. And finally... It causes, or, I'm sorry, uh, that doesn't cause him to crash. Chucky gives up stabbing the knife through. He goes under the seat, slams his hand down on the gas pedal, causing the car to lose control and flip over. And after this, we see Mike injured. He's in the car, but Chucky is nowhere to be seen. Until we see him scurrying around the car. He's laughing. He's taunting the detective as he's shooting at Chucky. This detective... Excuse me. This detective is shooting at Charles. Or Chucky. Same person. He's shooting at Chucky. And Chucky's just laughing. He's just running around like, ha ha, fuck you. Like, it's so funny. Um... So, Chucky disappears, and then, right as he tries to get the jump on Mike, Mike turns and shoots Chucky in the chest, making him fly, and then Chucky runs off, leaving Mike. So, back when Mike was dropping off Karen, and after he gave her the address... She kind of immediately decides to visit this place. And 
also just runs into Mike. Like, Mike just is, right after this, just goes, okay, going to the voodoo house, and they meet up there. And, so, they find out that this guy, Chucky, used to run with this other dude. And this other dude is a voodoo doctor. That's right, people. This movie is not Possession. It's nothing like that. It's voodoo, which unique as fuck, cool as fuck. And the voodoo doctor's name was Dr. Death, who at the very same time is being visited by Chucky. Chucky tells the doctor that the spell is not working. He was able to feel the pain from getting shot last night. And that shouldn't happen. He should be completely painless. But Dr. Death tells him the longer that he's in the doll's body, the more human he will become. And after Chucky begs for the doctor to help him, Death calls Chucky an abomination and a freak of nature. And tells him he must be stopped before picking up the phone to call the police. But Chucky interrupts and says that he was actually prepared for this the whole time, pulling out a voodoo doll. Yeah, this scene in, in his death is one of the coolest fucking things that I've seen in a horror movie like this. It's very original. He uses this to torture death until he tells him how to change himself back to a human and he's not like he's not just torturing him like poking him he's he's snapping his limbs and angles and doing all this shit so dr death tells him the only way to change himself back is to transfer his soul into the body of the first person he exposed himself to which would be andy so after this, Chucky stabs the doll, killing death. I really fucking like that line. <laughs> so, Mike and Karen find death and he, as he's dying, and he tells them that Chucky needs Andy's body. So the two rush off to save Andy, who, meanwhile, is back at the station and sees Chucky outside. So he calls for his therapist, who doesn't believe him, thinking that he's crazy. But then we see Chucky has broken into the jail, unlocking Andy's cell. But Andy is able to outsmart Chucky. He hides under his bed while Chucky runs into the room and is looking for him. And then he sprints out, closing the door and taking the key so he can unlock the other door and get out of there, where he goes and hides in an operation room. It's, well... I don't want to call it an operation room because it it's it's weird. It's some type of room for doing... Yeah, you know what? I guess it's an operation room. So, Chucky still manages to find and attack Andy who grabs a scalpel for defense until his therapist grabs him and decides that Andy needs shock therapy. But before he can do anything, Chucky stabs him in the back, bringing him to the ground where Chucky grabs the shock headgear and places it on the therapist, putting the voltage all the way up 
frying the therapist's brain, killing him, while Andy sits there screaming for it to stop. The horrors of it in his six-year-old mind. So Karen and Mike arrive at the station only to find out that Andy and Chucky are already gone, with Andy already back at the apartment blocking the door, and Chucky, he, well, he's catching a ride in the elevator with this old couple, and this scene is super funny because the wife looks at Chucky and then tells to her, says to her husband, oh, look, some kid left their doll, maybe we should help them, and the husband goes, nah, it's some dumb kid, they'll come back for it, and then right before the couple get off of the elevator, the old lady just goes, what an ugly doll, and Chucky, <laughs> Chucky just goes, fuck you, and then we cut back to Andy, who has decided to hide from Chucky in his bedroom closet, where he searches his toy box for a weapon, and finds his baseball bat. So, at this point, Chucky has broken into the apartment and is making his way down the hall with a very cool-looking knife. I don't know if it's, like, a sacrificial knife or something like that. It's super cool-looking. Um, and Andy is waiting at the door with this baseball bat. He's ready to attack. You know, he's he's sitting there, and then Chucky jump scares him out of nowhere and this is like the only jump scare in the movie and it's really good so good job there guys <laughs> and um you know a chase scene ensues it's really fast but you know it it ends up with Andy being freaked out and and trying to move backwards in the living room until Chucky shows up behind him and knocks him out with the baseball bat um, so at this point, this is when Mike and Karen are just pulling up to the building. They're racing inside where Chucky is already starting the body-switching ritual. Thunderclouds are forming all around the building as Chucky speaks. Mike has to bust the door to the apartment open because it is locked. And Karen runs into the room where the ritual is happening and pulls Chucky off of Andy literally just in the nick of time. Like, like he was finishing the spell and she pulls him off, ending it. And of course, Chucky doesn't like that. He bites Karen again. And he stabs Mike in the back of the leg, which, oh, it's... He, he stabs him and then he runs out laughing. It's fucking awesome. And then Mike gives Karen a handgun that he apparently was just keeping in his sock, and he takes his other handgun and goes to search for the doll. Yep. So, Mike is searching, and Chucky sneaks up on him while he's looking under a bed and just starts beating Mike with this bat. You know, he's just swinging, but right before he can finish the job, Karen shoots Chucky through the leg, sending him backwards, but, of course, Karen's gun jams immediately, causing her to run, and she slams her leg into this coffee table, which sends her to the ground, and Chucky gets on her right away. So, at this point, the scene gets a little intense, he's trying to strangle her, but She's able to get him off of her and throws the evil guy doll into the fireplace, covering it 
while so right here she's covering the fireplace with with this net it's a, it's a metal net that goes over old school fireplaces um so she uses this thing and it's such a cool a cool scene as well because she's like reaching up above her trying to get the matches and she sends the matches in front of her and away from where she can reach because she's trying to keep Chucky locked inside the fireplace and so she calls for Andy and as a team Andy runs over and he's a you know he they're they're getting it ready to light and right before he lights the match you know Chucky starts pleading with him he's like he goes Remember, we're friends till the end. But this is where we get my favorite line of the entire movie from Andy. He goes, this is the end, friend. And he lights the fireplace ablaze with Chucky inside. Karen and Andy back away from the fire, feeling a moment of relief. But just as fast as it comes, it leaves. Chucky burst out of the fireplace, completely on fire, screaming as he runs through the living room, crawling over the sofa and falling onto the other side, flailing before going limp. Karen decides to check on Mike, who is just starting to come to, and as everyone else is busy in the other room, Andy's the only one that notices that Chucky is no longer laying where he once was. He goes to tell his mother, but is tripped by Chucky, revealing the now burnt and grotesque body that is now the doll. He raises his knife to Andy and goes to attack. Andy just barely makes it into his mother's room before Karen is able to close her bedroom door and bathroom doors, keeping Chucky out while he screams for her to give him the boy. The doll then starts to stab through the door, catching Karen on the hand before he breaks into the room through the other door, sending the mother and son fleeing down the hall, where Karen picks up Detective Mike's revolver and starts sending shots into Chucky. And then, like, not just sending shots, she's blowing him apart, piece by piece, his head first, then his arm, then his leg, until he's just laying there lifeless. And as soon as he is nothing but dismemberant on the ground, Mike's partner runs into the apartment, out of nowhere, wondering what the hell is happening. And after Mike tells him what's happened, he tries to disprove it by grabbing Chucky's lifeless head and playing with it. And I don't know, just, like, he's told not to touch the doll, and he just immediately goes and picks up his head and starts slapping it. Until, in a very cool shot, Chucky's body flies through a vent that's behind the detective's partner and starts attacking him until they get him on the ground, and Mike sends one more shot through the heart of Chucky, putting him down for good. And then... As the group makes their way out of the room and sirens are heard, the credits begin to roll. And that, everyone, is child's play. So, I wanted to end each episode, but I've kind of decided that at the end of each review, or not really review, but breakdown of each film, 
I do want to give some afterthoughts on the film. And my thoughts on this film are definitely that it is one of the biggest staples in the horror genre of all time. And it always will be. You know, not only is the story amazing, but, like, Chucky himself has become so iconic. Like, he is the king of the dolls. Like, there there are a lot of doll movies where, you know, we got these creepy dolls and all this stuff. But Chucky, he is the king. And I think you guys will see in the next, you know, seven episodes while we look at him, he is a badass and he just keeps getting cooler and cooler as we go so i hope you guys stick around because we're about to have a blast um yeah this was this this was a real real joy to do i've been wanting to do a podcast for a very long time so uh, this is this is this is big for me and i appreciate you guys for listening like i said up top my name is bailey moore This is the Bloody Awesome Podcast. If you guys have any suggestions, you can always email me at therealbaileymore at gmail.com or you can always email thebloodyawesomepodcast at gmail.com. But for now, up until next Saturday, that's going to be it from me. I hope you guys have a great Halloween. And until next time, I'm signing off.